Hey everyone, it's Steve Glenn from the Intro Me podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, in this episode, I sit down with Kyle Haggy, who's part of Marquette's Innovators on Tap podcast and the CEO of a program called Bridge to the City. Uh, both URLs are in the show notes. And uh, really, we get a good insight into Kyle's thoughts on uh, how he wanted to give back to the community and how defining an end goal isn't always the best approach for your career, but rather being curious uh, instead of having a plan can sometimes work out better. So jump into this one and then head over to intro.me to learn more about us and to sign up to get updates on the show. Hey, Kyle. Welcome to the Intro Me podcast. How's it going? It's going really well, Steve. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. And as we were just saying, it's nice to be on this side of the interview every (laughs) once in a while. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, I don't know uh, who has more pressure, actually, uh, the person answering the questions or the person asking the questions. But uh, we'll put it to the test today. Um, So cool. I want to I want to jump right in because, um, you know, I've I would say I, I lightly know you from the from the community and the work you do, um, but I, we've never really had a conversation to dig in on on some details. And you're doing some exciting stuff with the um, Innovators on Tap and the Bridge the City projects. Um, and I'm just wondering, can you give listeners sort of the high level overview of what both of those things are? So. Innovators on Tap is is really my my full time job where I'm I'm putting almost all of my energy into that project, and that's a podcast out of Marquette University's Innovation Alley. The host is Chuck Sabota, who was the former CEO and chairman of Cree Inc. Uh, he was CEO for 16 years of a publicly traded company, which is <laughs> quite impressive. Right. Um, and the company is really famous for pretty much coming out with the first. Uh, consumer commercial LED light bulb. So a really big player in that LED space. And so we, we do a weekly podcast, but we also do a lot of innovation related things at Marquette. That's articles. That's kind of thinking about how do we uh, help teach the next generation of uh, leaders and entrepreneurs. Um, and so that's a really cool, exciting project. So if you, for any listeners, if you haven't checked it out, uh, please do. And then uh, the other project that I'm probably most known for is Bridge the City. Right. That's a podcast that uh, I co-created with my friend Ben three years ago, uh, maybe a little more now. And that's all about really taking back the narrative um, that we felt with national news. And I think national news is very important, but I think most people, you watch CNN for like, 10, 15 minutes and you're like, wow, I'm depressed. The world sucks. There's nothing I can do. It's very disempowering. Right. And we just wanted to create a platform that when an odd, when a listener is engaging with it, they actually feel empowered. They feel like, Hey, I can make a difference in my community. And we thought this would best be accomplished by focusing on the local level. So we do a lot of local politics, not partisan, just like, here's your alder person. Um, you know, here's how you contact them. Here's who the mayor is. Here's what they do. Um, but also focusing on nonprofits, activists, civic leaders, nonprofit leaders, et cetera, and really just trying to get people more involved. So we do that podcast, but we also do live events. 
Um, we're going to start rolling out some virtual events here. And really the, yeah, the, the blood of that is all about um, taking action in your community. And I would describe that as like a well-organized hobby. Uh, we have myself and five others that work on the project now. It's all, you know, volunteer work. And, and there's obviously some inequities in that, but we're just doing it because we really care. We're not in it for the money. If we were, we're doing a very bad job at making <laughs> right. money. Um, so it really is just a passion project, but um, yeah, the community has gotten really involved with it. We've been really pleased and it's been an awesome, awesome time. Well, we'll I'll be sure to put uh, links to both of those uh, projects in the show notes so that people can get there as well. Um, so that's, so like all the guests that come on this podcast, I ask that question and I sit back and listen and then I think, oh my gosh, how do you balance all of that? Um, and, and even more with such cool work that you're doing, I go, what was the path there and, and where did it start? So if you can jump back a little bit and, and just share like what was your first professional job and how did you get it? Yeah, that's a, it's a great question. Um, I'll give two quick answers to that. So my first job, um, and a lot of people are like, oh, it's not a real job. I consider it fully a real job was uh -huh. with AmeriCorps. Okay. So I graduated from University of Minnesota in 2015 and I wanted, I was actually on the wait list to go to Cameroon for the Peace Corps, but then I got offered a job with AmeriCorps with a nonprofit here in Milwaukee called College Possible. Uh, and they really help low-income first-generation students get to and through college. And that was a for sure thing. I was really drawn to the mission and I was like, sure, let's do it. So that's what actually brought me to Milwaukee. And how I got that job was I was just interested in doing kind of a, a service-oriented uh, service job out of college. I grew up in a pretty privileged background and I thought there that was a way for me to get more involved and um, kind of give back to the world that had given me so much. Uh -huh. And so that was my first job. I did that for two years. Then I went to grad school at Marquette. That's where I started Bridges City. And I was also working for the housing authority uh, through the a Trinity Fellowship at Marquette, which is focused on economic and social justice. And so I got my master's. I was working for the housing authority, which is a really great institution in Milwaukee that does controls the public housing in the state. And the project I was working on was Westlawn Gardens, which is on 64th and Silver Spring. It, it's a really cool project. So, so check it out. Uh -huh. um, but to, to get to the heart of your question, like how did you land that first job? So I'll, I'll talk now about like the innovators on tap job. Sure. So it, if you look at like my background, I have a political science and a philosophy degree. I, did AmeriCorps, which was like mainly teaching students like ACT. Um, and then I was working for the housing authority. None of those scream like innovation. <laughs> no. When you think public housing, that's probably the last word you might think of. Right. And, um, and we even talked about it before the, the show or before jumping in that if, if innovators on tap was your end goal, you certainly were not on the path to get, to get there if from the of an outside <laughs> right. perspective. Right. Yeah. And, and I really love that point, Steve, is, and, and, and we, maybe we can dive into this more later, but like, I'm, I'm just not a believer in long-term career plans. I think 
you brought up just, you, you said it so well, if innovators on tap was my goal, I would have done so many different things, Right. but I found that what I've actually done is, has better prepared me. It's given me really a unique skill set that I've leveraged with innovators on tap, where if I was just looking at the outset, starting from, you know, ground zero, I would have got a degree in entrepreneurship and, you know, done some leadership development courses, but it just came about in a really like organic, authentic way. And so um, long story short, I kind of had this like smorgasbord of experiences, um, including I was working part-time grad school for a civic tech startup in Chicago as well, remotely called Ballot Ready. Um, and so I graduated and Bridge the City was running for two years. And it just so happened that Chuck was retired he had retired. He was coming back to Marquette. He was going to be the innovator in residence and he wanted to start a podcast. So he was just asking around to people at Marquette and his network. Hey, I just am curious about podcasting. Do you know of anyone that I could just talk to? And since Bridges city had been around for a while and a decent amount of people knew it, particularly at Marquette, they were just like, Oh yeah, you can go talk to, to Kyle. Right. Um, he'll, he'll take a meeting. And so I just got this email one day from Chuck and he's like, Hey, I used to be the CEO of this billion dollar company. Can we meet? I was like, that's all you need to say. <laughs> yeah, um, right. So, so I just went and met with him and he just had some questions about podcasting. And I think we kind of just hit it off and um, I was able to kind of maybe give a different perspective on what I thought innovation was. Um, and, and obviously he had been leading it for so long and has a really, I think great definition, really powerful story about innovation. And we just had some great synergy and it kind of became a position out of that. It wasn't necessarily a position that Marquette had ever had in the past. So it's a really cool job. And I think it just, it came about by me um, doing my best on whatever was in front of me, not worrying about long-term and just knowing that if I have a body of work, that's really impressive. If I've given every project I've ever worked on uh, full effort and I'm out in the community and, and trying to make a good impact that um, others that want to make a similar impact will recognize and want to partner. And that's just kind of what happened. I think that's great advice overall, but it's a, it's particularly important when you're starting your career because that is like prime opportunity to try and figure out what is going to work or not work. Yeah. I, uh, I agree. And I think, you know, there's always that conundrum for early career professionals, myself included. You go look at a job description. It says you need five years of experience to get the job. So you can't get the job, but right. then you don't have a job. So you can't get the experience. So you, you feel like you're stuck in this vicious cycle of like, look, I, I, I want to like contribute. I want to help. I feel like I'm, I can do it. I can learn on the job, but I can't quite get in the door because you need X, Y, or Z. And so really with like bridge the city and a few other projects I've done, I think a good way to get over that is like, just start doing things on your own. Mm -hmm. And like bridge the city, we started, it was terrible. I didn't know how to edit a podcast. I didn't know how to conduct an interview. Like we knew absolutely nothing. There was no way that any respectable podcasting audio space company would ever hire either of me or Ben. We literally knew nothing, <laughs> but we wanted to do it. And we were our own bosses essentially. So we could, so we just got 
I mean, we've done a hundred, I think close to a hundred episodes now. That's amazing. Like we just got good through practice. Right. And that allowed me to get experience. And then when this job came up and they're like, well, you need to know how to like edit a podcast, produce a podcast, distribute a podcast. I had never been like paid to do that. I just did it all myself. And because of that, I honestly probably had a, a really better understanding of a lot of the components because we had to do everything. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for experience in a certain thing, I would say if you can carve out time to make it a side project and just start it yourself, you're, one, you're going to learn more than you've ever thought was possible. And two, I think people really respect self-starters because not only is it going to give you some good experience, but they know that, hey, if we bring this person into our organization, they're self-sufficient, they're a self-starter, they're going to come up with ideas that we might not be thinking about. They're not going to exactly. be afraid to take on uh, certain projects, lead certain projects. So overall, I think that's probably the best thing you can do for your career. Agreed. And it's so easy to uh, to start things. Um, I think right. I think we're, we tend to be the biggest barrier in thinking about that, our biggest critic, uh, critic and... Um, when you know things are just have never been more affordable or more accessible to start so uh great advice um i've i've in speaking of advice so thinking of you know finishing school uh launching your career uh exploring these other areas these other projects getting more involved in the getting so involved in the community uh this this innovators on tap idea coming your way all that stuff sounds like it happened, you know, at least qu- kind of quickly during that process. Was there any advice that anyone gave you that you were either glad you ignored or you are glad that you took it and ran with it? Right. I, I love this question as well, because typically it's, you know, best advice you've ever received. I like this. It's, it's a flipped question. The best advice I'm or the, the advice I'm glad I ignored. Um, I'm, I'm going to stay on this career path trend. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I, I've always felt pressure. Maybe it's parental pressure or like just societal pressure. Like you have to have a plan. Um, rarely do like, I just remember being in college, even after college, it's not like, Hey, what interesting projects are you working on? It's like, what, what are you going to do next? What's your plan? What, when are you going to get a, this, a certain job, blah, blah, blah. And I just never it just never felt like that was for me. And I'm glad I didn't like say, you know, that's the right path and I'm going to get really good at one thing and just specialize and spend all my time trying to get this job that I don't even know if I'll like. Right. So like the one piece, another piece of advice I'll give is um, there's this really great book called range by David Epstein. And in it, he talks about the end of history illusion And that illusion is when you look back five years, so I'm 27. When I was 22, think about how different you were. I was such a different person at 22. What I wanted to do was different. Who I was was different. My passions, my personality, you you changed so much in five years. But when people forecast out five years from now, they assume that it'll, things will stay static, Mm -hmm. that they'll likely be the same person that they are right now. But if you look backwards, you, you realize that's not true. Right. So in five years, and why I don't like five-year plans or, or career plans in general, 
is anything that's a five-year plan, you're making a plan for someone that doesn't yet exist. <laughs> and I think people, people start going down a path where they're certain that this is what they want to do. And they start doing all the steps and they get very narrow in that pursuit. And then they come up five years later and they realize I'm a different person. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily love what I thought I would love. My personality is different. What I care about is different. And it's hard for me to pivot now because I've been so narrowly focused. So my, yeah, the, 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 the advice I'm really glad I ignored is like not to really focus on one job you want and instead pursue multiple things, uh, put your whole heart into whatever's right in front of you. And, you know, when you finish that opportunity, look up and see what opportunity is next. It just makes it much easier to pivot and to stay true to, to really what you want to be. Excellent. That's, um, I couldn't agree more. Uh, just having literally lived that way, uh, for the, for the past decade, um, especially, (laughs) uh, so this is usually the point where I ask the big question of, you know, what's sort of the link from where you started to where you are today. I think you've already summed that up very well. So um, I think what we'll do is put you in the hot seat with some rapid fire questions. Love it. All right. All right. So to start beginning, the beginning of this always is, and you, you did maybe give it away a little bit, but maybe there's something else. What are you reading on any platform at the moment? Uh, or what's something you'd recommend to someone trying to launch their career? Yeah, so I, I will stay on on the same path I was on. I, 100% Range by David Epstein. It's a new book, and he wrote. He also wrote the Sports Gene. He also has a really interesting background that brought him to becoming an author. He used to be a scientist. Then he was at Sports Illustrated. Then he was at ProPublica. Um, anybody that feels like. Um, they consider themselves a generalist and not a specialist and they feel like maybe that they're lagging behind in their career there's there's people that are their same age or younger that already have the job that you know maybe they want and read this book it i think some books like give you new information that you learn from and this certainly does Mm -hmm. but sometimes the most powerful books are books that give you the language to describe what you've been feeling your whole life right and that's how I felt with this book. So if that description rang true for any listener, that's probably my biggest recommendation is, is Range by David Epstein. I, I, so just a quick side note before we go to the next one, because I'm, I'm most excited about the next question always with my guests. Um, I, I have started reading that and you said it, it's validation. I, I, as a, right. as a creator, I finally was, had some relief to think, okay, Maybe I'm not the weird one, you know? Okay. So, uh, this one, this one, super interesting. The next question, uh, rapid fire here. Here we go. What's your go-to food when you need a boost? My go-to food when I need a boost is I'm, I'm going to do a beverage. Okay. That's <laughs> fine. Coffee. Too. I drink a, an insane amount of caffeine. It's certainly not healthy. So I hope no doctors are listening. Um, but yeah, it's, it's coffee. That's my go-to. I'm, I'm obsessed with it. P 
people often say, you know, you should have X number of cups of coffee a day. And I, I actually just go by the hour. I'm like, I'm going to try and maybe just go six hours of coffee today instead of seven. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. probably how I should start measuring my, my own intake. There you go. Um, Instagram or TikTok? Oof, neither. Um, What's your go-to? Even though I have to do a lot of, even though I have to do a lot of social media for work, I'm I'm not a big social media guy. Uh huh. And TikTok, I, I look if someone's on it and they like it, I'm I'm all for it. It's just not appealing to me. And I think there's some there's some interesting like geopolitics at play. India just banned TikTok. Um, and then Instagram, I'm not a fan of Facebook or Mark Zuckerberg. So <laughs> okay. in my personal time, I try to stay off that platform. I would just say if you're if you want to excel at social media, I would just pick one and focus on getting really good at one instead of okay at the six or seven platforms you can be on. Um, so really the only platform I use is LinkedIn. Got it. Cool. Uh, okay. This, this will be an interesting one for you. What's your favorite podcast? Um... My favorite probably all-time podcast is Why Is This Happening with Chris Hayes. He just has on really great guests, and I think he's one of the, the more s- smarter like public intellectuals we have right now. And then the other podcast I'm, I'm really a fan of is Land of the Giants, which is a Vox podcast, and they cover like the rise and sometimes the fall of companies. And so their first season was on Amazon. It's 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 really good. It's a fascinating look at Amazon. Their second season just started a couple of days ago, and it's on Netflix. And Netflix is a company that I think is really interesting. So um, I'm excited for that season to continue on. So yeah, why is this happening in Land of the Giants? Cool, cool. So that, so th- all of that just made this question more interesting. YouTube or Hulu? I'm a, I'm definitely YouTube. Um, I'm not a, necessarily a Hulu fan. I think YouTube is a really interesting company. And um, I think it just gives creators a lot of power. And, and I'm, I, I expect YouTube to be around for a long time. And I think it's, it might, it's not going to replace like television or Netflix, but I think user created content will probably be more prevalent in the future. Agreed. Uh, if, okay, last question. If you had a talk show, who would be your very first guest? So for people that really know me, they definitely know this answer already. It's Kanye West. Um, I am one of the biggest Kanye West fans on the planet. <laughs> uh, that opinion has never club. been super. <laughs> that opinion has never been, I guess, super popular and, and probably less popular as of late. And so, you know, his, his latest shenanigans aside and, and politics aside, I'm just, I've always been very inspired by his career. Talking about someone that has gone into fields where people said you can't do it and done it. I mean, right. he started as a producer. They said you can't rap. He became a rapper and became one of the most famous rappers of all time. Okay, well, you're a musician. You can't do fashion. Yeezy is now a billion dollar brand. He just partnered with The Gap. Um, so, as Someone who probably everyone relates to this, just being told like, hey, you, you've done this, keep doing that. You can't do that other thing. I think there's no better inspiration for, hey, go go do that other thing than Kanye West. 
Excellent. Excellent. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. Certainly appreciate it. And keep up the great work. Appreciate it, Stephen. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun.